What's up, Crypt Nation? Bryson Pizza Mind here, coming at you from San Diego. And today's podcast is sponsored by the one and only eToro. You know, we see eToro everywhere in the crypto industry. But, Pete, what actually even is eToro? eToro is a platform where you can buy crypto with confidence. Right. And then even beyond uh, that, you know, they have an awesome suite of technical indicators and some really smart tools. If you're not ready to put money in the market yet, they have a virtual simulator. So you can play with up to $100,000 of play money while you learn. eToro is an outstanding platform that's been around since 2007 and offered crypto assets since 2013. So they know what they're doing. They have over 10 million users spread across 140 countries. Crypt Nation, not all platforms are created equal. So go to crypto101podcast.com slash eToro, sign up and see the difference for yourself. Uh, Guys, send us a DM on Twitter. Let us know what you think. And yeah, without further ado, we're going to jump into the episode. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, very smart. We've already had a little pre-conversation with him, and we were pretty blown away. Um, This is Asad Razouk, the CEO and founder of a company called Syndicatum and Renewum. So Asad, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Delighted to be here. We are very excited to have you, and you're in Singapore right now. Is that correct? Yep. Okay, awesome. So tell us, um, you know, how'd you get into the crypto space from being a renewable energy, uh, you know, kingpin over there in uh, Singapore? Like what drew you to the crypto industry? Well, uh, during the day, uh, my business builds finances and operates renewable energy, mostly solar and wind projects in countries in Asia. One of the things that we know is that investments in renewable energy need to be approximately 300 to 600 billion dollars per year greater than they are today if we are to deliver on keeping warming below two degrees centigrade now what this means is basically we're under investing in green globally in a massive way and we need to do a lot more. So as we invest in renewables, we saw that there is this big investment gap, and we thought that uh, the blockchain can provide some solutions to accelerate investment into the space. So that's kind of where we came at it, because uh, we wanted um, to capture the environmental aspects of our projects and we know that everybody around the world has the same problem which is a pricing issue in effect renewable energy is not priced correctly and at the same time energy from coal and oil and gas is also priced incorrectly i think the blockchain has a role to play in solving all these pricing problems and effectively increasing liquidity and investment into renewable energy so that's kind of the big picture Okay, awesome. I think I understand. So basically, um, there there's a problem with um, you know renewable energy credits and offsets, and you're trying to make a market for those. You're trying to make those things more liquid. Is that correct? There's kind of a big problem, and then there is a small problem. And I think the blockchain can play a role in in both. The big problem is that we live in a world where countries subsidize the wrong thing, so they subsidize energy from coal and oil and gas. So according to the IMF, for example, 
we as a society are still subsidizing oil, gas, and coal to the tune of $5 trillion a year. So that's the big problem. As a result, oil, goes, uh, gas, and coal are effectively mispriced. You know, we're selling them too cheaply. So that's the big problem. The small problem, the smaller problem, is that renewable energy, which is supposed to replace these to fight climate change, is also mispriced. It's a smaller problem because there is less renewable energy, in effect, worldwide. And so the question is, how do you price renewable energy correctly? One of the key answers is you take the environmental attributes of renewables and you put a price on them using blockchain powered technology. That then drives more money to renewables and adjusts their price, if you will, increasing it uh, to where it should be compared to oil, gas, and coal. Okay, that, that makes sense. What does the energy grid look like today? And can you paint us a picture of what a blockchain-driven energy grid would look like instead? Um, look, today we're basically functioning with an energy grid which is 150-year-old and hasn't really changed much. So you have big coal plants or gas plants that are sitting far away from each other, and you have electricity which is being moved through an ancient system, in effect, to power ultimately your house or your office building or your car. And uh, we are moving to a far more decentralized system where the energy that you need is near you. It's on your roof or it's in your garage or it's very close to where it's used and also to a system where we don't have big, huge incumbents that are controlling the generation and the distribution of electricity. So if you can imagine it at a simple term, so you live in a block of, uh, in an apartment block, you have solar energy, for example, uh, on your uh, roof. The apartment block next door also has solar energy on their roof. You don't use all the energy that you generate constantly, and you trade that energy between the two blocks using a blockchain-powered system. So decentralized electricity, in effect, is going to be the future, and that's where we're going. So would you be able to say that like blockchain-powered energy grids can help the third world? Like, Can blockchain grids reduce inequality or deliver electricity to places that don't Ha like aren't connected to the standard grid? Like how would that work? How would blockchain help a third world country? 150 years after coal-fired power, we still have worldwide about a billion people with little or no access to electricity. So that's 1 billion people. There's no question that decentralized clean energy systems are the way that we need to deliver electricity to that 1 billion underserved uh, today. Most of them are in Africa, but there's plenty in Asia, in India, for example, and elsewhere. The blockchain will play a role in the payment system around that, the delivery of that energy. So you build solar power plants that are near these underserved uh, consumers, in effect, and the payment system 
it has integrity and transparency if it's powered with the blockchain. And if you then add peer-to-peer, for example, energy uh, uh, trading on top. That's really fascinating. Do you deal in only just uh, trying to build like a decentralized energy grid? Or is there something to do with uh, carbon emissions and offsets as well? Well, uh, both, actually. And that's a very good question. The um, Let's talk about the offsets uh, just very briefly. So today you've got a very big movement well, two-thirds of electricity is actually used by corporations worldwide. And there is a very big movement by major corporations to be powered 100% by renewable energy. So, for example, Apple has made an announcement uh, that it's going to be, that it is powered 100% by renewable energy. Facebook has made an announcement. Google has made an announcement. Walmart has made the same commitment, in effect. And they all not only want to be directly powered by renewable energy, they also want their entire supply chain to be powered by renewable energy. Now, That's really powerful. Absolutely. It's powerful and it's uh, one of the biggest indications of change that's out there because of the power of these companies and their ability to change, in effect, the world to the better if they so choose. Now, the question is, how do you power with renewable energy the Apple store on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan? Clearly today, you cannot power it directly with renewable energy because it's drawing electricity from the New York grid. And the New York grid is not yet 100% clean. And so what Apple, for example, does is it builds its own solar power plants. It builds its own wind farms to generate as much as possible clean energy to offset the the dirty energy that it's using. And then for a portion of what it does, it buys a renewable energy credit, so an offset, if you will, from a somebody else's project, solar project, for example, that's generating clean energy to offset whatever is left that it cannot offset directly. So real quick, let me let me just interrupt just one sec just to clarify. So it's basically like there's credits and debits, and you're using this distributed ledger um, to just kind of track credits and debits, and those things are uh, energy credits and energy debits, right? Is that kind of what it's like? Exactly. And that market of credits historically has been a paper market. What, when you then use the blockchain to power that market, what happens is you take out the central, any central authority, basically, like a government or an agency or a private organization, to everything that's to do with the certification and verification of that credit. You therefore, and by by generating them via a token system, you start creating them, storing them, and trading them and ultimately burning them to generate that credit on the blockchain. And that means you've got suddenly through the blockchain a global system which is clean, which is transparent, which has integrity and is not subject to interference by anybody to cheat in effect. So let me get this straight. Let's say 
here at Crypto One, we are generating 100 megawatts of electricity through our microphones for some reason because we're blasting music all night and we're using up a lot of electricity. To offset that, like here at my uh, studio, we're plugged into the grid. Maybe we would then put another farm somewhere generating solar and wind to generate 100 megawatts of clean energy to offset it. And then that credit would be stored on a blockchain. We would store the 100 megawatts that we're putting through the grid on the blockchain and then say, okay, we're using net zero energy. Is that kind of what they're doing? Yes. Um, yes. And if I could just modify the example slightly, Please. you might you might build a 90 megawatt solar power plant instead of 100. And so for 90 out of the 100, you've got a direct effectively offset of the dirty energy you're using against the clean energy that you're creating. But then for the extra 10 megawatt, you might buy a certificate from somebody else oh, okay. through a token, through a token to offset that rump that's left because uh, for some reason, you can't build a solar power plant directly to power your building. I see. Okay, that makes sense. I get it now. So uh, I was doing a little bit of research on this before we got a chance to speak with you, and I found there's dozens of renewable energy and carbon emission marketplaces out there. It sounds like this is a really hot idea. What does the industry landscape look like in this emerging market? And are there enough participants in this movement to really keep it going? I completely agree with you. When you look under the hood, so to speak, what you see by our count is that there are some 190 blockchain and energy companies and almost half a billion dollars to date invested in these uh, companies. Now, People don't know many of them because many of them have chosen not to do ICOs or similar public type capital raisings, but they do everything or, or rather we as an industry are taking the blockchain and are experimenting with using it across number one, peer to peer power trading and microgrids payment systems. Number two, the management of the grid as well, platform applications, as well as financing applications. And so the blockchain is really being um, uh, experimented with across a very wide area in the energy space. You know, 190 companies is a lot. And I think our sense is that people are starting these companies, you know, all the time. Yeah. And I also think that like, um, you know, we just had Jack Zamplin on the show from Tendermint from Cosmos Network and they're building inner blockchain communication stuff. And so what I think is really cool is that when, you know, you have all these 190 siloed companies right now, essentially, but once, you know, inner blockchain communication becomes really prevalent, um, you could have all of these decentralized power grids all connecting and transferring data back and forth to one another. And it's, you know, it's going to, it's going to really change the world. So let's talk a little bit more about, you know, uh, Pizza Mind and I are big fans of Bitcoin, uh, which gets a lot of flack from the people that are talking about climate change and the people that are talking about, you know, it just uses too much energy. So I've got a lot of stats here and I kind of want to paint a picture of what's going on. And uh, let me also 
give a lot of credit to the CoinShares report. So if you just go to medium.com slash CoinShares, you can find their report. And I want to give credit to Christopher Ben Dixon, who did a lot of research. Um, so, so my first question to you before I get into these stats, I just kind of want to take your temperature, excuse the pun, um, is... Uh, like, what's your take on Bitcoin mining and the energy consumption that proof of work chains uh, consume? Well, I've got strong objections to criticisms of the energy footprint of Bitcoin mining. So that's my temperature. That is awesome because I did not expect that answer. I thought you were going to say like, fuck Bitcoin mining. It's ruining the world and stuff, but I'm glad that you have uh, a good opinion or a similar opinion, I should say. And I agree with him. Please explain what you mean. Well, listen, I have problems with criticisms of the energy footprint of Bitcoin mining on so many levels. So first of all, why are we picking on Bitcoin miners? I mean, what's wrong with why aren't we picking on people using their phones, say, or people using their TVs or people using their air conditioning, you know, and, uh, you know, the, the, the reason we're picking on the Bitcoin miners specifically is part of the reason why, you know, there, there seems to be uh, threads out there that just don't like the blockchain decentralization crowd in general, right? And so you kind of attack this particular bit but meanwhile, the energy footprint of phones and cars and air conditioning and building and all that get a free pass. So that's, you know, on one level. On another level, the, the solution to the uh, issue around Bitcoin mining is really very simple. If we were powered 100% by renewable energy, then there wouldn't be an issue. In other words... Bitcoin mining would also be powered 100% with renewable energy, and so there's not a problem. And finally, you, even if they have a problem today, people like us at Renewal. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are providing a token which they can buy and that would offset all their energy use. And if I, if I could, just one more point on that. A lot of the Bitcoin mining occurs in China. Mm. And China is not actually what it seems, I think, from far away. China today is the number one solar power market worldwide, number one wind power market worldwide, number one manufacturer of solar panels, number one manufacturer of wind turbines, number one electric mobility market worldwide. So the Chinese are doing all they can, and you cannot say that about many other countries, to shift to renewable energy. But of course, there's 1.3 billion of them, and it's difficult. But at least they are giving it a very strong go. And they are also watching the energy footprint of the Bitcoin miners. And so I hope I just summarized there my my issues on, on multiple levels with criticizing Bitcoin mining energy footprints. That was very well said. And I'll just add one more point to it. It's in any cryptocurrency miner's best interest to be as most efficient as possible. So many of these Bitcoin mining warehouses, especially outside of China, are located in very cold climates where they don't have to pay air conditioning costs because the natural climate provides the cooling. And they're also hooking up to solar and even hydroelectric energy to generally you know, secure the Bitcoin chain out of uh, like thin air, basically. So there's a lot of, and they're reinvesting their profits into more and more renewable energy as well. So really, it's one hand holding the other. Absolutely. And if you, if you, uh, if you are a Bitcoin miner and you want to do something about your energy footprint, then come to Renewum, come to us, or come to people similar to us, buy our tokens and drive money into building, say, more solar power in Vietnam more solar power in the Philippines, more solar power elsewhere to effectively offset your footprint. So we have solutions and the criticism is unfair, both. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I, I found a good stat here um, that, again, I, I believe this is from the CoinShares report. A lot of the research that I did was from that. Um, so they said that you know Bitcoin mining is mainly driven by renewable energy. And it is 77.6% renewable energy uh, going towards the Bitcoin mining network. So I thought that was pretty impressive that we're almost there. But a lot of people ask, why is so much energy required, right? Because there's estimates that between basically uh, 35 to 70 billion kilowatt hours per year go into securing the Bitcoin network. So that is a lot of freaking energy for context that's the average American consumer household uh, consumes 10,000 kilowatt hours per year. But basically, you know, proof of work is so important. Um, I mean, proof of stake will come out and stuff, but I, I kind of want to read a little bit from this CoinShares report. So, you know, talking about why Bitcoin's security model is so dependent on energy consumption. So, so most of this is quoted here. But unlike previous centralized network infrastructures where a third party is in control, 
in a distributed system, part of the key to keeping the transaction record honest is determining who gets to write to the database. So in the Bitcoin protocol, any entity requesting write privileges uh, to the distributed database, aka that Bitcoin ledger, they have to prove an expenditure of work, an expenditure of energy. So why do we need proof of work? Miners need to prove that it cost them some monetary value to contribute to the network, a contribution for which they are subsequently recorded, rewarded with Bitcoins. No risk, no expenditure, right? No reward, no Bitcoin. Okay, so the reward being paid in Bitcoin ensures that the incentives are aligned uh, between maintaining the truthfulness or the security of the network in mining or writing to the network. Uh, acting in bad faith for the network results in diminishing the value of the Bitcoin. Basically, at the end of the day, um, they go on to say that anybody, you know, the end result is that any reasonable attempt to fraudulently to fraudulently amend or append the database requires a capital expenditure that is larger than the size of the existing honest Bitcoin network. So basically, you're going to have to spend a shit ton of money. Uh, to attack the Bitcoin network, and then the Bitcoin becomes worthless because the system's been gamed. Um, so, Bit so energy is extremely important to the Bitcoin network. And the other statistic that they have is that the network hash rate grows by 300% a year. That is insane. You know, it's going to get out of hand, but we'll see. It's kind of like an arms race. I don't know what's going to happen. What do you think is going to happen, Pete's mind? Do you think that uh, cryptocurrencies are just going to be adopting proof of stake or there's only one room for, for one proof of work chain in the world? I think the solution is to have one, maybe two proof of work chains and take the Komodo route where they have their own verification, but then they can also piggyback off the existing Bitcoin network because all that energy is there. It's already doing the mathematical crunching and validation. It's telling the truth, essentially, is what it is. We don't need tons and tons of different things doing that. If we already have one, it's like a river. You don't need to put a river next to a river. Definitely well said. So let's, let's move on beyond Bitcoin mining. And let's talk about you know, building successful businesses. Um, you're the CEO of a big company in Singapore, and you, uh, you're running a nonprofit as well, uh, which is uh, Renewum. So what would you say is like... Let's talk about like some lessons that you've learned in building business. You know, talk about maybe your greatest moment of achievement, um, and maybe one valuable lesson that you've learned from a notable failure. Because I always think those are exciting questions to get into. Okay, look, I think in terms of building businesses, ultimately the key is persistence as well as having smart people around you. There's no magic formula to building a business. But in my experience, what happens is that a lot of smart people don't actually take the plunge. So therefore, take the, the risk of failing. And they stay, for example, employees in a business rather than go, going off and, and starting uh, uh, something that they want. And you've got to be passionate about what, what you do. Um, achievement, I think, is a big word. Uh, personally, I'm not going to be satisfied until I know, you know, flash forward to 2030, that we've done everything possible to power the world with renewable energy. And so the amount of work that's there to be done is absolutely staggering. And failure, by the way, is completely related as well. I think we as a, as a society would have massively failed if we 
continue generating energy by digging holes in the ground instead of just looking up at the sun, which, as you guys know, gives us in two minutes absolutely all the energy we need to power the world for a whole year. So that's what the sun gives you in terms of energy. And, you know, here we are digging holes and blasting mountains and, uh, uh, you know, drilling the ocean to generate black stuff that we no longer need. And that's going to be a massive failure if we don't wean ourselves out of it. Do you think that there's a lot of corruption in the like the oil industry and the like normal traditional non-renewable sources? I, I just like I know the Saudi Aramco company is like the most profitable company in the world, and they just got bombed like last week or two weeks ago. Recently, it's it it shocked the world. It, it caused the price of oil to skyrocket overnight, um, and they were saying that five percent of the world's supply of oil was lost. So like. I don't know. What is your take on the traditional? Like, how do those guys work? Like, what is that life like in there? I don't know about corruption. I would say you've got an incumbent system, which has all the power of incumbency. So they've been making money for many, many, many years. They have a lot stashed and they are using that money to fuel effectively a political system that backs them, right? So the renewable energy and the green industry by and large are smaller and poorer actors they it's an uphill battle to fight against entrenched rich incumbency and uh interests but it's not it's not just about that it's also about the fact that we overconsume we don't reuse we don't recycle we don't reduce. Did you know, for example, that one American fridge, your refrigerator, one fridge, uh, uses seven times more electricity than an Ethiopian uses in his entire year? I so never, one, never knew that, never <laughs> thought about that. That's amazing. That was yeah, not so listed in the manual for my fridge anywhere. <laughs> That's just to, to, to just put the issue of consumption, you know, into into the the picture. So I think you know what what we're talking about here is is a collective responsibility driven by collective awareness, and pointing blame is not always the most constructive way of going about it. I have a question that I never hear asked. The narrative for green energy and renewable energy is always to consume less and less power. But let's say we filled out all of New Mexico and half the Sahara Desert with solar panels to where we have incredible amounts of excess production. Would it be then fine just to run the air conditioning 24-7? Or what are the, the consequences of doing that? Hypothetically, the answer is yes, it would be fine. However. Uh, you've got to be careful about how you're building those renewable energy systems, about how you're mining to get what you need, and about how you are recycling, in effect, the solar panel, you know, at the end of its useful life and the wind turbine and, and what have you. So, uh, but there's no question that hypothetically the answer is yes. And by the way, you don't need all of New Mexico. You probably need less than that to power 
the entire United States. A lot less than that. Wow. What the hell are we waiting for? There's a there's a professor at Stanford called Mark Jacobson, who I would recommend you talk to one of these days. And he's published a large number of papers that document exactly how much you need to generate to 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 power the world really with 100% renewables, which we can do. So, real quick, I remember uh, in our in our previous conversation, you had mentioned that your blockchain Renewum kind of has like a time bomb attached to it, right? Uh, that by 2030, the blockchain will shut off or there was some there was something like that so refresh my memory on the idea behind that renewum is there to basically put a price on the environmental attributes of renewable energy and therefore drive more money into renewable energy uh, we've talked before about bitcoin mining so in a in a perfect scenario bitcoin miners would come they would buy renewum tokens or similar that would then drive capital, fresh capital into building more renewable energy. Now, the uh, whole concept, however, is built around the fact that we need to reach 45 to 60% renewable energy globally. So we need the world to be 45 to 60% powered by renewables by 2030. If we don't hit that target, then what happens is that we would have locked in a level of global warming, which is hugely problematic. And so we thought to incentivize, in effect, capital today, as opposed to capital tomorrow, we would do two things. The first one is we would give one renewable token per megawatt hour of clean energy generated for new projects, and then maybe half that four years later, so that they start earning less once they're up and running, but also put a stop to the entire system of generating tokens by 2030, because after that, we've either done it or we have not. I guess one more question in regards to uh, crypto. I mean, you've been all over the world. You see the problems. You see a lot of the solutions to problems. What are some way crypto and blockchain unites everybody? Look, it's beautiful to have a decentralized system that's got integrity and transparency. And to be honest, I don't understand why they don't unite everybody, because ultimately that's what we're talking about. So, you know, the picture that's painted is beautiful, and I think we need, you know, perhaps more awareness around it, but there's certainly all the ingredients to unite everybody around it, and and that's, that's that. Yeah, so maybe you're surprised that there isn't more unification uh, that crypto is bringing us together. It's yes, funny absolutely. we have a guy we have a guy on uh, our You Now show who's from Kenya and he's just learning about crypto and he's telling us how they use cell phone minutes as commodities to trade and um, he's very interesting and you know it's it's cool to say like I have a friend from Kenya now yeah, and that's just one way that crypto brought two people that are on completely different continents together. Dude, 100%. We were learning, uh, we have like a live stream that we do every weekday on a uh, younow.com slash crypto 101 every day at 1 p.m. Pacific. Um, and people from all over the world tune in, right? And this guy uh, from Kenya was telling us how, you know, he'll go to the store and he'll buy bread or he'll buy, he'll go grocery shopping or whatever. And he will use his cell phone minutes uh, through a company called Impesa. 
um, or his cell phone data plan and stuff. So it's like that. So for him, he was like, Bitcoin, I've literally never heard of Bitcoin before, but it sounds really cool. How do I get involved? And it was just something interesting that we were learning about. So I guess my last question here real quick is, you know, what is one company or maybe one person in the space uh, in the crypto space that you really admire? You really admire their work or you really admire what they're building if, if you had to choose just one? The founder of Ethereum. Vitalik Buterin. Yes. He is the man. Yes, because I mean, to, to me, now remember, I'm not a blockchain expert, right? So I'm coming at the space from a renewable energy perspective. But I think it's quite brilliant that someone would come in and effectively write the the write what's needed to take the 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 bitcoin space right or the blockchain space into something that businesses worldwide can now use using ethereum i completely agree i would say he's one of the guys that you know pizza mine and i definitely look up to and um yeah he the the applications are so extensible um beyond just bitcoin as a currency right now he comes along and says oh well you could you know just do so much more with cryptocurrency. So exactly. Yeah. Assad, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think everybody here, part of Crypt Nation and Crypto 101 is really going to enjoy this. Um, So before we let you go, um, you have a podcast as well, don't you? I do. (laughs) It's called the Angry Clean Energy Guy. (laughs) So uh, guys, if you want to go check out the Angry Clean Energy Guy, if you can't get enough of this kind of stuff, Go tune into his podcast. He puts out some really great stuff. Um, and are you on Twitter, uh, or is your company on Twitter? And you could we could uh, shout out the handle here. I am on Twitter at Assad Razouk, and on uh, LinkedIn and on Facebook. And I'm quite active and vocal, very much on the topics that we just discussed. And I thank you so much, guys, for listening and for your time. That was fun. It was our pleasure, man. Thank you so much. And uh, next time we're in Singapore, we will definitely hit you up. Uh, hopefully soon. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there in November at uh, Block Show Asia. So hopefully we'll run into each other. Absolutely. All the best. Yeah. You too. Take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. 
So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Thank you.